Welcome to Remarkable, a podcast about the families all over the world who love someone with Rett syndrome. It was a great pleasure to talk to Naomi, a mum of the beautiful two-year-old Olivia. They only received their diagnosis a few months ago in May 2019, so it was interesting to walk back through those early weeks of a Rett syndrome diagnosis. As you'll find with each of the parents I talked to for this series, they are remarkable in their own right. Each has their own story to tell. They're all in different stages of their lives with Rett syndrome, so it's my joy to introduce you to them. Here's my chat with Naomi. So firstly, thank you so much for joining me for the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, Reading the notes that you've shared with me so far, um, your little girl, Olivia, was only diagnosed in May 2019, which is at the moment only three months ago, which is so soon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, So starting from the beginning, what kind of signs did you see in Olivia that made you realize something uh, was happening that was that was different? Yeah. Uh, well, she was born at 34 weeks. Um, mm-hmm. She was our first baby. So we didn't, we had like first parent syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> like don't know don't what know. to expect. Um, she's tiny, tiny. She's four pounds and three ounces. Um, but like the furthest memories I have, she was not reaching any of her milestones. Um, she hated tummy time because she could not hold her head up. So we would put her on her stomach and her face would just fall on the floor. And uh, the doctor was just like, you gotta keep doing it, keep practicing, but she couldn't do it and she mm-hmm. hated it. Um, and we actually, for the first seven to eight months, ended up in the ER every weekend um, oh, because she had such a terrible time eating. And she was later diagnosed with dysphagia. Um, So she aspirates. So we thicken liquids. Um, But we didn't know that at the time. And she would, you know, eat, throw up, and then choke on her vomit. So we'd have to, like, take her in. And every time we took her in, like, by the time we got there, you know, she was fine. She was, like, smiling. Right, yeah. They're like, why are you here? (laughs) It's Um, always like, how old was she about this time? Um, The she was about four months, like the first time that started happening. Um, and every time we took her there, like it's just acid reflux, like, you know, Mm. try different formulas, try some medicine. We would do all that and nothing Mm. seemed to work. Um, but I was kind of like, well, it'll get better. Doctors were telling me like, we just got to wait for it to, for her to outgrow it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but she actually started having, um, what we didn't know was epileptic uh, episodes um, when she was six months. We didn't know at the time that's what it was, but she would be asleep and then her eyes would kind of roll back into her head and her arms and her legs would flail. And um, it wasn't like in the movies where, you know, you like see people have like full on seizures. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I don't think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Her doctor was like, no, I, you know, if she was having them, all the time, then we'd be concerned, but they're only at night, so we're not too worried. Um, so I was like, okay, well, okay. I guess <laughs> those were like the first um, big things I can yeah. remember that were kind of like, well, there's there seems to be something going on with her. We just don't know what. Yeah. So did you kind of second guess what the doctors were saying? Did you, or did you thought, oh, they um, should know what they're talking about because they're a doctor and I'll just yeah, kind of go with I'd, that? Yeah, I definitely second guessed myself um, just because mm. we were first-time parents. Um, I'm a worrier, and so my husband was like, you're just overreacting. Like, yep. Yeah, he's kind of like more laid back. and He's like, you know, maybe we just have to listen to the doctors and give her time. And Sure. Um, because yeah. she was premature, they were like, you know, just be patient. Like, you'll see all this come together as she gets older, but mm-hmm. she got – I mean, she kept getting older and she's still having those episodes. And um, so when she continued having those um, little seizures is when I was like, you know, after two months, I was like, you can't, I can't just let her, you know, continue to do that and not know a hundred percent that it's not seizures. And yeah, um, yeah, her doctor wasn't, it was kind of dismissing my concerns. So um, at that point, we went and 
got a second opinion. And, um, Who did yeah, you end up seeing to... for that second opinion? Was it uh, another doctor or pediatrician? Or... Yeah, um, I actually decided to get her into the pediatric clinic at our local uh, children's hospital. Mm, good. Um, and so I figured, like, you know, she has special needs because um, at that time she couldn't crawl um or you know do stuff that other kids her age were doing so um i figured you know there it's not just the seizures like there must be something else going on as a whole yeah Um, so i figured if she needs help uh, from specialists we're going to go to the best place she can get it yeah Um, so we went to the children's hospital yeah and um the first referral we got was from a, a neurologist Mm. And then after we saw neurology, we got like the first visit, we went to the pediatrician. She was really nice. She tried, I think, not to concern me, but like right from there, she's like, okay, you need to go see neurology and GI and we'll go ahead and put in a referral for genetics. And I was like, um, <laughs> I yeah. thought she, I, I was just coming <laughs> to make sure that I was yeah. wrong. Like I didn't. Yeah. What's going on? Um, yeah. So it was really quick, but, um, did I they ever at mention it. to you anything other than, say, possible epilepsy? Did they say, oh, we're testing for um, this or that? Or she's No, this? they never, um, you know, said we think it might be this or that. Um, they just were like, we want to be thorough in what we're doing. Good. And mm-hmm. um, which, as a parent, you are like, okay, let's, yeah, let's be as thorough as we can. Yeah. Uh, but no, they never gave us, like, hints for, oh, we think it could be this. So. It was just like waiting and it was miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were just yeah. waiting for for every, all the test that. results to come back and mm-hmm. so how old was she when you started all these tests these tests? Um she was about nine to ten months um, right. when we first went to neurology. Um mm-hmm. they from there they did an EEG to check for seizures mm-hmm. and um, we had an MRI scan um, because at first um, they thought, they didn't tell me, but um, they thought she might have cerebral palsy. She like yeah. mentioned it in passing. She never told me like, oh, we're checking for this. She yeah. just thought that that's my, what it might have been. Um, but her MRI was good. So from there is when we started to, you know, dig deeper and do more genetics and, and things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from there, after all the the testing results came back, what happened? Um, so she actually had um, a chromosomal micro array test done yep. first, mm-hmm. um, and it said she had a duplication in chromosome ten. Can't even remember. <laughs> but wow. we went to genetics, and they were like, you know, this specific duplication doesn't come up as anything mm-hmm. uh, we don't think it's the answer which what for us was kind of disheartening because we were like oh we have found something an answer. yeah like yeah. They know that. we we know yeah um but uh he's like you know i think the problem is genetic so we're gonna do um they actually did an autism id panel um, oh wow which checks for um all the known genetic diseases that you know yeah they have research on um so we did that and that's how we got our mech p2 mutation wow yeah yeah and how long did that testing come back um i think that one took eight weeks yeah Yeah. you can take anywhere from i think testing is getting better these days so Mm -hmm. i've heard some families getting test results back um within three weeks and up to eight to 12 weeks yeah and i think it depends on whether they do suspect Rett syndrome from the beginning Mm -hmm. so they can specifically go to that mecp2 um otherwise they just test a a range of things at the point of when you've got the mecp2 results back, how old was she then would have been Um, around one uh, well, no, actually, when we got the MECP2 results, so in between seeing neurology and genetics, there's yeah. actually um, a, a longer time, crazy long wait to get into yeah, genetics. Yeah, that's right. Because um, in Arizona, 
Um, the Phoenix Children's Hospital is actually the only pediatric genetics within like 100 miles. Oh, wow. Um, mm. I know because we looked like we'll drive, you know, to get answers. And we looked yep. for other clinics and they were the only ones. Um, so we had to wait, um, I want to say almost five to six months to even be seen. Wow. Um, and then from there, we had to wait those eight weeks to get results back. So when we finally got her, uh, you know, RET diagnosis, she was, it was in May. So she was, that's right. Uh, what was it? 23 months. She was almost two. Yeah. Wow. That, that is kind of a long time to yeah. just wait and just, just trust and wait for an mm-hmm. appointment and then yeah. wait for test results. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. How did you feel in that kind of waiting period? Um, it is kind of like a hopeless kind of, um, waiting. Like you don't want to go to Google and look stuff up because you know, all the worst stuff comes up, but it's like hard sitting there and just waiting and like trusting that they'll find an answer. Um, we were definitely, I think desperate. That's why I said we like looked up other clinics that would see her within, you know, Mm -hmm. our radius. And we just wanted answers and we just had to wait. So yeah, waiting is hard in general. And I think waiting for like a diagnosis for your child is just, yeah, it's really, really hard. It's, it is hard when, when you just don't know, but you know, something's going on, Yeah, but you don't know, you don't have a name for it. Um, and mm-hmm. then you don't have a plan for it. And I think that's yeah. one of the hardest parts of it. So she was diagnosed only in May, which is, like mm-hmm. I said, a few months ago. Had you heard about Rett syndrome before her diagnosis or before um, this all started? Yeah. Um, I had heard of Rett. Um, actually, the oh, wow. first time I had heard of it was through a social media account for a special mm. needs mom. Her name was Natalie Weaver. I don't know if you're familiar with her. No, um, she's kind of like a famous, if you would say like special needs mom, maybe just cool. um, in America, but um, her, her daughter name is, her daughter's name is Sophia. Um, and Sophia had read, she's, she was 12 years, or sorry, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I had come across her page. I found Sophia. And so that's how I had, kind of heard of it the first time and um I also like I said I tried not to google symptoms Mm. but I did anyways and my searches always um I always like ended up back on ret and I would read the synopsis or like the first like three or five ret syndrome you know pages that pop up when you type that and yeah they are not positive you know they are very blunt and I think very, um, they're like written, written by, um, definitely not by family members. No, it's very clinical, it. very clinical, yeah. um, symptoms, just a, a whole list of symptoms. There are so many yeah. things going on with Brett syndrome. And when you type it in, you know, you're seeing medical websites basically. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, I mean, if you just Google it and read it, it's really, um, I would be heartbreaking, you know, to read the symptoms and think like, is this what my daughter or son, you know, has? And mm-hmm. I would read them late. I would be like tucked in bed and my husband would be sleeping and like my mind would just be wandering yeah. and I would read it and then I would close it. And I'm like, no, like, no, Olivia doesn't have that. Like, that's oh, yes. like horrible. Like I'm choosing to believe she doesn't have that. So I'm just right. not going to yeah. read it. I, yeah, I remember um, definitely. I think that's one of the um, amazing things about this podcast is, you know, like you said, being able to put out um, this information for new families to listen mm-hmm. to and like hear uh, more um, real, like, yeah, you know, like side of Rett syndrome and not like all the scary things that you see when yeah. you type it in and. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're more than just um, that list of symptoms. And exactly. as you grow into this Rett syndrome family, mm-hmm. you will you know, come across some of the most amazing people 
Um, oh, yeah. Not just the kids, um, the boys and girls with Rett syndrome, but the parents and their carers mm-hmm. and the fight they have in them. And, um, yeah. you know, we, we all have our bad days. We, there are horrible yeah. things about Rett syndrome. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the reality of that. But there are also really good things, um, which sounds mm-hmm. odd. <laughs> There's also good yeah. things that come yeah. out of it. Like the relationships that you form within the friendships, the information that you get um, from real families and real parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that can challenge you and it can change you in the best ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's why we're doing things like this podcast and doing yeah. when we do Rett Syndrome um, Awareness Month every mm-hmm. year, it's October. Um, we like to just put out positive things rather than just the clinical side of it because it can yeah. be scary, you know, mm-hmm. sitting there at midnight on your phone Googling and all you're coming yeah. across is just, you you know, it's real. All those symptoms are real, mm-hmm. but there's a whole other side to it. Um, so we're just glad yeah, to be exactly. on that on that team of making sure that everybody's supported whatever stage they're at. So I know it's only been um, a few months, but how have things changed um, since Olivia was diagnosed with Rett syndrome? Like, have you, have you, did the diagnosis make you kind of, I know this is a weird way to put it, but kind of feel better that you knew what was going on or mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I would definitely say, um, having an answer, um, definitely adds a certain kind of relief, um, mm-hmm. that I think if you've been in that situation of waiting and kind of like uncertainty, mm-hmm. um, it gives you relief in, um, and just having an answer of having a name, um, mm-hmm. a diagnosis can be a really hard and um, life-changing thing. But it also, I think, the best way to describe it to like people who maybe aren't in our situation um, and think like, oh, it kind of sounds horrible to be like, oh, you got relief in getting such a yeah. That's why you know, I kind of like diagnosis. Yeah. I think um, I could only ask other parents kind of yeah. this question because it's a weird way to, to think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes um, but, it takes a while to get to that point where you're like, oh, yeah. I actually feel relieved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it's it kind of opens up like a roadmap uh, for you to, like you said, you know, find community and other families who can relate to you like nobody else is going to. Um, And you're able to see other families and other children who are just like your child. um, And you kind of get like uh, relief in seeing what their life could be like. You know, there's like, obviously every child's unique and that imply, or that is also for special needs children. You know, every single child's unique, their journeys are different, but you're able to, kind of have like um you know this is what to expect you know no one likes to live in the unexpected and so with the diagnosis you're able to um just you know have expectations um, yeah like an idea or or a picture yeah and some guidance yeah exactly yeah Um, i think i remember sorry you go ahead now i was gonna say um i remember when we went and saw the geneticist they, geneticist, they told us that only 70% of their patients actually get answers. Um, oh, so, you yeah. know, 30% don't. Um, yeah. They just don't have a name or the research or the science behind it. Um, and while we were waiting, I just remember praying, like, please don't let us be in that 30% because I can't not know, you know. And, I know. Uh, they always tell you, like, but science is advancing, you know. If we don't have an answer now in five years, we will. but you're like, well, five years is too long to just I know. wait and not know. So, yeah. Yeah. So how has your family coped with the diagnosis? Because Rett syndrome was quite rare. I would suspect mm-hmm. they hadn't heard of it before and, and aren't really sure about what's, what's going on either. Yeah. Um, when we actually got, um, so we got a call and after being on the forum, you know, the Rett syndrome forum. Yeah. Um, I realized that getting a phone call with this diagnosis is a lot more common than it is. You'd hope 
the doctor like calls you into the office and yeah like nicely tells you like this is what your child has but um, unfortunately most of the diagnoses um, are given through the phone which is very difficult I think that um, might be remember... an American thing maybe? oh is it because yeah I just really quickly we had our diagnosis yeah. through the kids hospital and we actually got called in in and I already wow. kind of knew I was like I know yeah. what I'm gonna say but we got called in and then went into a little room and there was like tons of people in there from the geneticist to a psychologist oh, wow. to the professor to OT and speech like everybody was in there with with me and my mum was there um and Jovi was there and they said it so yeah I had a different yeah. experience with that diagnosis yeah that's um, awesome I wish I, I wish I, every yeah, yeah I didn't want a phone call to experience that yeah yeah it's um I remember she I mean she just was like okay so we got the test results back and Olivia has Rett syndrome and my husband had just gotten home and he was like 20 feet or 10 feet away and she like said those words and he looked at me and he knew who, who I was on the phone with right. and I was trying to not you know break down and start crying and right. she's giving me all this info and he was like looking at me like what is she saying and I was like oh, I can't like hear and talk yeah. And, yeah and so it was really overwhelming um it must hearing been. it when I got off the phone I told him um and he hadn't heard of it um I think I was the only one who had me and my sister mm-hmm. um, my sister who ha- also ha- had followed that other social media account with Sophia. Um, mm-hmm. So she knew what Rhett was, uh, but my parents didn't know. His parents didn't know. Like all of our extended family had no idea what it was. Yeah. Um, so having to explain it to them was really, um, it's hard having to tell your, you know, your close family, like our daughter is going to lose function of Mm -hmm. her hands like intentional function and um she's not gonna be able to talk and um walk and you know it's Mm -hmm. just really hard having to explain that to your family but um we uh believe in god and so both sides of our family so that for us helped a lot Um, we were able to uh, really see life for what it is and um, Olivia has taught us that life is beautiful, but it's short and it's really raw. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's just goes in hand with like stuff that we see in, you know, Instagram and Facebook. Like, you know, people have these picture perfect lives on there. And, um, you know, we really, um, since our diagnosis, have uh, learned to appreciate every day, just like our motto right now is just like take it one day at a time like just get through today and we'll worry about tomorrow tomorrow and next month like we're not even i did have a look at your facebook profile for a little bit (laughs) i talked a little bit and i've seen some photos of olivia she is she's so cute um how is she doing today um yeah is she is she well is you know Mm -hmm. is she having more symptoms do you think she's gone through regression um yeah so I think she's um kind of I don't know how if she's like in a regression or just like Mm. I haven't met with the doctor yet to like discuss exactly what that means like I know they can be in regressions or like had a regression um we actually have an appointment coming up with the geneticist about that but um uh you know she's she just turned two in June she's doing well health-wise but uh, we have noticed that she is kind of um, losing some motor skills with her hands. Um, so feeding, uh, she used to be able to self-feed like um, those little Gerber melts, those yogurt melts. She loves yeah. them. Uh, so, so you she put them on was her able tray. to pick them up. Yeah. So she was never able to do like the pincher, pincer. Yeah, the pincher, pincer. <laughs> yeah. She would kind of just grasp and kind of get like mouthfuls in her hand, but yeah, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for her, uh, but she hasn't been able to do that um, for about two or three months, um, which is hard to see um, her struggle with stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some days she's able to pick up her sippy cup and like 
give herself a drink and other days she wow. yeah like bangs the table until I come and like yeah. give it to her um so yeah regression I think we are either in the middle or like seeing the effects of it um, yeah and it's yeah it's hard um it is a hard a hard yeah. thing to see especially <clears throat> when they've got skills and you see it kind mm-hmm. of like oh can't remember the last time they did that like yeah or when doctors ask you can she do this you um, yeah I'm not sure whether you've done this already but they'll give you a questionnaire of all the things that they can do mm-hmm. or, or they ask you can she use her you know the pincher grip yeah um, can she wave can she point can mm-hmm. she jump and you're like oh no, I've never, never thought about <laughs> that yeah. yeah and then it's no 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 and that's been the case <clears throat> sorry throughout our experience there's a lot of yeah. no's or oh, there was some yeses and now there are no's and that's yeah. really hard um as a parent but also um I found really hard on on them too I think that they know yeah and that's mm-hmm. part of the regression stages where they realize and it's it's really it's a hard thing to go through but um when is your appointment with the geneticist? Is it coming up soon? Um, what's today? I'm like all over the place. Yeah, it's, no, yeah, no. it's in September, I believe, the first week. Okay, that's, that's not too long. Yeah, but it's not too I think long. I think you yeah. get a lot of answers. Do you have a rec clinic near you? Do you know whether you have a rec um, clinic near you? Yeah, so we actually have zero rec clinics in our state. <laughs> There's oh, none. gosh. So, yeah. um, but California's uh, like we can literally drive to California. Um, okay. There's three there. Um, we actually have an appointment to go to Katie's Rec Clinic um, in Oakland mm-hmm. um, in November, November eighth. Oh, so great! We're yeah. excited. Yeah, we're excited about that. Um, we're excited to go see doctors that like know all about Rec and like we'll yes. we don't have to like explain or you know we can ask all the questions we want and we'll get like a confident answer yeah um so yeah we're really really excited to go it's Um, such a good resource and for the people that are going to listen to this um, a rec clinic is basically a specialist clinic um that have people that are specifically you know interested in rote syndrome families and and the kids obviously um, so in our case, we've been to a few here. We're lucky that it's only just down the road from us. So it's only like 20 minutes oh, wow. to drive, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, and we got, um, at our one, this, our one, sorry, is at Sydney. So we're in Sydney, Australia. So it's at Westmead Kids and there's Dr. Elloway. Um, and then you have, you'll have <laughs> a physical, yeah, a physical therapist. You'll have an OT, occupational therapist, a speech therapist, um, at the dietitian. Um, you sometimes will see the dentist there and the neurologist oh, wow. there, um, and a music therapist. And when you go wow. in, yeah, it's everybody. And it feels like a lot to begin with, but, um, it's, it's such a good, um, day to go in and just talk to everybody at the same time rather than having mm-hmm. to like source everybody yeah. separately and then having your therapist not know what Rett syndrome is. So, um, having yeah. a Rett clinic, I think is something that um, we should all seek out and do regularly. I think we go, at the moment, we're only going every two years. In the beginning, it was every year. Yeah, it's going to ask you how often. Yeah, unless there's um, major problems, then you'll go see each individual Mm -hmm. specialist at different Mm -hmm. um, different times and different appointments during the year. But we, we love our rec clinic. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll leave some info somewhere about rec clinics and how to find them. It's, it's, yeah, I recommend that you at least go in the beginning so that you can Mm -hmm. get a sense of what to do and, um, what your journey is going to be like because we're all different. Yeah. No, back to Olivia. Um, what does she love to do? Because I thought I saw some photos of her at a dance studio. Yes. Um, she just started dance. Uh, actually, today we had her second class. Oh, great. Um, she gets to wear the leotard and um, her class is like a toddler essential movements, I think is what it's called. So they um, do, you know, dance with wands and listen to Disney princess music. So she oh, loves yeah. it. Like yeah. she's in heaven when she goes. Um, but yeah, it's just a. A regular dance class that I talked with the owner and tried to adapt for her. Great. Um, and that was really important to me 
um, in my, you know, grieving process and just like processing our diagnosis mm-hmm. was, um, I wanted to make sure that she still got to do things other little girls her age were doing. That's Obviously it was going to look different, but, um, yeah, so I just like messaged a couple of dance studios to see who would be willing mm-hmm. to work with us. And um, the one she's going to are like so excited. They're like, yeah, she's so cute. Please bring her to our <laughs> studio. And yeah. so we went and she loves it. She has, I, you know, so she dances in her wheelchair mm-hmm. um, in her adaptive stroller. Um, and they like push her across the floor and they have a monitor um, where all the parents sit and you can like see your kid. and. Every yeah. time they like wheel her in front of the camera, she's like smiling and like Hello. having the time of her life. Yeah. She's like, people are pushing me and I'm listening to princess music and yeah. I'm in like a pretty little dress. So yeah, I love loves that. It. Yeah. And she's making friends and um, the other little girls, I think at first were intimidated by her stroller. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Have um, they explained um, to the other little girls or are they, are they just letting just just join um, in here's olivia yeah. let's let's do it they just let her join in um yeah. the season just started so they're all new too so right. it's kind of like anything for everyone um but the very first class i was in there for five minutes because i wanted to gauge you know does she yeah. like this music is it too loud is she gonna yeah. you know, not like the environment mm-hmm. um and a little girl came up to her and like pinched her cheek like cutely and like yeah. was like hi and Olivia thought it was like the best thing ever um, and after that the other girls gained confidence and were like coming up to her and saying hi and so she has like friends now and they are excited to see her when she comes <laughs> in and they say bye to her so that it's nice I love that. to see that inclusion yeah yeah and I think that first of all you're giving a gift to Olivia just to let mm-hmm. her be a little girl you know, yeah. not let Rett syndrome stop you from doing the things that you have done anyway, or even just give you a little push to actually get out there and do the things that you've yeah. always dreamed that your daughter would do. And mm-hmm. obviously she loves it, which is amazing. And I, I think yeah. that's, like I said, a gift to give her because, you know, the alternative is just to not do anything because because she has Rett syndrome and, oh, mm-hmm. we can't do that. But also you're giving a gift to the whole class the teacher yeah. and the, uh, the other little girls in that class just to say, Hey, you know, Olivia is here. Olivia does have Rett syndrome, but she's also Olivia. Um, mm-hmm. And then let's just be friends and let's dance and let's listen yeah. to music and, you know, be fairies or, or whatever. So yeah. I think that going to a dance class is just, it's amazing. And like, yeah. good, good for you for like getting out there. Cause yeah. I mean, I do still have boundaries around what, you know what Ritz is and you know, yeah do. so I think that um you're doing a really wonderful thing for, for Olivia I definitely um like you just said you know because she has Ritz syndrome it pushes you know having that kind of pushes you to want to maybe do more for your kid yeah um and I signed her up <clears> and I was like super excited and then the day came and I was like oh my gosh like I don't want to take her I don't know how yeah. they're the girls are going to perceive her and, um, you know, she's what pushed me to take her. Like we have to do this for her. Gotta, you know, make that extra effort for her. And it ended up paying off and she had so much fun. So I'm glad that she pushed me to do it. She doesn't know she did, but she definitely, Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you what Olivia's biggest challenges are right now in terms of, her you know the Rett syndrome symptoms Mm -hmm. and things um yeah yeah has anything changed since you know you know in the last Mm -hmm. six months or so yeah um definitely say her biggest challenges right now are communication Mm -hmm. um and mobility um so um and I didn't mention it earlier but one of the other uh, symptoms she had that kind of triggered um you know, curiosity for like, there's something else going on, uh, was when she turned one, she was saying, I think five or six words. Um, and over the course of like two to four months, she Mm. like stopped saying them. And 
you know, when it happens, you're not like, Hey, why aren't you saying mom or dad? Like it just like slowly started happening. Yeah. And we went for a special needs checkup and she's like, how is she doing with talking? And I was like, well, actually like now that you mentioned it, I That's right. hadn't noticed she's not saying this and this. Um, so that communication is hard just because I can see her getting frustrated trying to tell us her wants and her needs. And mm-hmm. We try our best to figure out what it is and mm-hmm. we're not always right. So it's definitely challenging on both ends. We are frustrated. We can't help her and she's yeah. frustrated. We're not getting it. Like yeah. she's communicating and we have no idea, but um, we're working on getting her uh, communication device right what are you looking uh, so, which one are you looking at the toby well i think like most that? of yeah most of the uh people in our group always talk about the toby so that's the mm-hmm. one i'm leaning towards uh right now mm-hmm. does joby have a communication device um joby has tried a few things so um just going back to a toby is the name of yeah. a computer that is an eye gaze um computer so basically it has a bar on it that tracks the person's eyes and wherever the eyes go on the screen um, will have a button with a word on it. Um, so that's what a, the Toby is. There are other ones. Um, Joby has tried a few. We do have an eye track. It's not a Toby, but it's a, it's um iMobile on a surface pro tablet and we have communicator five on it. Um, that's been really hard. She's had that for a few years. Um, and because she's so hyperactive and because she's having, Mm -hmm. she has a hard time focusing her eyes. It's really hard for that tracker to pick up her eye gaze. So that's something that other people might be experiencing with Rett syndrome Mm -hmm. and eye trackers is that it's great. Like I love that that technology is there, but because of the barriers with um, having to concentrate um, on the screen, it might not be suitable. So that's that we've tried that. And, but at the moment we do have a pod book, and I think it's still, I think it's called POD in America too, P-O-D-D. It stands for something and I I'll, don't <laughs> know what it is at the moment, but I'll write it down somewhere. But basically it's a thick book of pictures and it's kind of like, okay. like choose your own adventure. I kind of liken it too, because it's like, you know, 150 pages of a grid wow. of pictures and you've got to go through and scan it um, with your finger with them and kind of get the best sense of what they're choosing. So in Joby's case, she might, look at it and then look at you for a yes so it's um it's a Hmm. it's a learning curve communication yeah but um like I can relate in the sense that sometimes you just use your instinct and because you know them and you know when they've said yes and they've they've said no or Mm -hmm. something else um using just that that bond that you have yeah communicate with them okay yeah so there's there's a range of ways that we all you know, try and communicate. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's super hard for them because like you said, they know what they want. They just don't know how to express it to us yet. And we Mm -hmm. just need to find that way, um, that bridge between what they're thinking and, and how we can help them. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And you also said, um, mobility was a challenge at the moment Uh, and that mm -hmm. she's in a, a wheelchair at the moment. Yeah, so um, she has not been able to crawl or walk yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it really challenging. Um, she can sit up really well, which we're really mm-hmm. happy about because she wasn't able to sit up until she was almost 10 months. Yeah. Um, but she can sit up, but that's about it. So um, some days I just kind of, she has a younger sister who turned one in June. And she's running everywhere. And so sometimes I um, have kind of like mom guilt and I feel bad that Olivia isn't able to get up and, you know, run and, you know, do stuff her sister's doing. Um, And it kind of makes it hard for her to play because if things aren't in her immediate um, grasp, she's not, you know, she can't go for it. Um, so yeah, mobility is definitely a challenge right now. We're mm-hmm. hoping we can, you know, with PT just improve what she's able to do. And yeah. Um, so is she is she doing any therapy at the moment? Yeah. So um, she and 
the USA. <laughs> that sounds funny saying it, but you're in a different <laughs> country. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So we have, um, or at least in Arizona, we have what's called the uh, early intervention program. So we get therapies through our state um, and based on what your child qualifies for. Um, and so she is receiving <clears throat> PT, OT. Um, we just got speech because of her diagnosis um, and then feeding therapy. Um, and I was going to say, it's another challenge that I think a lot of families might come into um, some point or another, they might have to deal with just therapies in general. Mm. Um, getting like services isn't as easy as you'd think it'd be no, as it not. would be, you know, just because your child needs them doesn't mean they're going to get them. Unfortunately. That's right. Um, it's the same. I think it's the same everywhere where you, yeah. you know you need something, then yeah. you've got to fight for, for exactly. the therapy. Yeah. You, yeah. I, say you just really have to advocate for your child and um yeah so right now we are working with a new company so she has all new therapists which is um a transition in and of itself because she's had her her other therapists were with her for a, a year um so these are all new people that she has to you know get accustomed mm. to and get used to and um you know they do things differently and um so yeah we're just we're dealing with that as well which is uh new for me i've never yeah had to, you know deal with therapies it's a whole um, new but, world i was yeah it's a it whole is, new um, thing because you don't realize <clears throat> once like if you didn't you know your child like doesn't have to need all these therapies gratefully like mm -hmm. you don't realize how hard it is to yeah. step into this world and step into the role of an advocate as well as yeah. a parent and you know all those other things that come under um being a ret syndrome parent um mm -hmm. having to source the therapy you know yeah all of them figure out for us for figure out the funding how much money you can spend yeah. on it, how much you know you can afford so that yeah. will determine how regularly you go and exactly then, then you've got to you know do the assessment with them and then you know sometimes it doesn't work out sometimes they're not the right therapist for you too mm -hmm. so it's a it's a, another role in itself basically definitely a whole new world <laughs> like yes it's just yeah you learn as you go for sure and ask yeah. people in the community that you have um advice and you know like if mm -hmm. you have questions i think just yeah the rec community is the best you know just to ask for suggestions or tips of how yeah. to approach therapies or you know they're yeah you go to um I know that was really hard because I like I said we were first time parents with Olivia and I would always ask my mom like what do I do and she'd be like oh you do this you know yes. typical mom and yes. as I got into this therapy you know trying to set up therapies I'd be like mom what do I do and she's like I don't I don't know <laughs> I've never been down and it's hard, like not having family members, like cousins or aunts, that you can be like, "Hey, what did you do when that's your right. child needed therapy?" Because they don't know. They don't so, know. Yeah, it can definitely feel overwhelming, and you feel a little lost at the beginning. But just gotta ask for help. And yeah, and on take that, it as it comes. Um, um, I mean, how we talked about this Rett syndrome forum, and I'll put a link. Um, somewhere mm -hmm. for people to come and find us. Um, but has yeah. there been any other places um, that have been really good resources to you? Um, yeah. With Rett syndrome, for, for Rett syndrome, for, for you and Olivia? Yeah. So I actually, the day um, we got her diagnosis, um, I don't remember how, but I came across rettsyndrome.org mm -hmm. um, and they had like a, like a new diagnosis like if you just got a diagnosis contact yes us. yes and i filled out the form and I'm trying to think that was the 6th of may and by like the 8th they had already contacted me um her name was samantha brant i think she's like the outreach wow. coordinator yeah. for families and yeah. um i didn't answer my phone or something and she found me on facebook and she sent yeah. me like a message and she's like hey uh, just letting you know, I found, you know, I got your uh, new diagnosis information and I'm re 
reaching out just so right. I can get a chance, call me back. Um, and that was, I thought, like super, like that was such um, an intentional gesture that meant mm-hmm. a lot in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she called and talked to me and um, she has a daughter who has Rett syndrome. So she was able to relate with yeah. the diagnosis. <clears throat> So I spoke with her and the first thing she did was send us a new parent packet. So it had like the oh. Rett syndrome, you know, the Rett syndrome Bible, what everyone calls yes, the handbook. Yes, the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. She sent us Love that it. and she sent us like, the packet she sent was like so heavy when I got it. And she yeah. just had like so many um, informational pamphlets and um she had these little wristbands and I know they can't see, but you know, yes, right syndrome I Oregon. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so she sent us some of those and um, it was really, really helpful um, to just, you know, I didn't know her. I hadn't been able to FaceTime or anything, but to know mm-hmm. like we weren't alone and that help was so conveniently there. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember speaking with, another mom whose daughter has Rhett and her daughter is 18. Um, and she mm. said when they got their diagnosis, there was like nothing, nothing. you know, like for yeah. her to like look up or to reach out to. And she's like, you don't know mm-hmm. how lucky you are. And it's like, yeah, it's a blessing right. to, and I hadn't thought about it that way, but we're lucky to have the internet and the connections that we have. And just like, you know, just being able to, I mean, everyone at redsyndrome.org has been really helpful and yeah. uh, super, you know, just nice. And It's an amazing thing for redsyndrome.org to have. And um, I'll leave a link somewhere about that too, because I think everybody yeah. has to check that out. What has been the best piece of advice given to you about Rett syndrome or about living with Rett syndrome or about? Yeah. yeah. So I think the first thing that comes to mind like immediately um, is I, you know, introduce myself in that form that we're talking about. And I, you know, said, this is my daughter. Here's a picture of her. And I, everyone, like you said, was so nice. And like, mm. everyone was so inviting and welcoming and like reassuring. Um, and one of the comments was, um, you know, welcome to the group. Um, and she said, just breathe, take a moment yeah. and look back at everything Olivia has accomplished now that you know she has read. And yeah. to me, that was like, um, that was so, like it was just something amazing to like sit and look back at everything. And you know, everything that, like the definition of Rhett and everything she's been able to overcome despite having that mm-hmm. just shows her resilience and her fight. And um, I think that's, you know, that's like one of the best things to do. And to the way to look at rat is that your child has rat, but look at the person, the character, like who they are despite rat, you know, and far the best advice or comment anyone had said during that, those first few diagnosis days. Yeah. I, I actually, I hadn't heard, heard of it that way before. I think that's a really good way to think about it because mm-hmm. even without knowing that she had rat, she already did a lot of things. She already yeah. accomplished a lot of things and she could do a lot mm-hmm. of things. It's only now that you just know about Rhett. That's just yeah. another thing that you know about her. And, mm-hmm. oh, I love that. Yeah, it was really, it was a really good perspective to have yeah. following a diagnosis, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, how lucky are we to have these people that can, you know shift our mindset around it too because mm-hmm. we're like oh no it's red now she's not going to be able to do this 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 yeah but when you flip it around and think actually she has red but she also can do this and, exactly. this and this and she's going to do more it's you know the it's endless mm-hmm. of the of the things that she could do so any newly diagnosed families out there is there any advice that you could give them on how to get through the red syndrome diagnosis yeah um, I would say it is more than okay to feel all, all the emotions that come with this diagnosis. Mm. Um, you have to remember to breathe. Like she told me, you know, just breathe and live each day for what it is. 
um, because it can be really overwhelming to think and always look to the future. Um, and I think if we spend, we get caught up, uh, you know, always being in the what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen in seven months next year at this time, you know, you'll miss the present time that you have with your son or daughter. Um, and I think especially in rep families, you know, now that time we have now is really special. Um, and I would say to remember that your son or your daughter um, has been created with a purpose. And they were, I believe that each child, including our ret children, were um, fearfully and wonderfully made. And that nothing, not even ret, can take that away. And take away the fact that they have a purpose. And that despite ret, they're going to live life to the fullest it might look different but each one of our kids is living their best life that's right that's all you can want for your kid yeah and you're right that's all you can want for your kid even with or without Rett syndrome mm -hmm. they this is this is the way they were born and this is the way they're going to live their life and yeah. um if you focus too much on the negative and too much far you know too far into the future you're going to miss what's happening right now and how yeah. amazing and how wonderful and how funny and cute yeah. and silly. And sometimes, you know, it's rough, but mm -hmm. this is happening right now. And don't, don't waste, you know, your energy and your time and your thoughts on projecting what the future is going to be like, because you don't know yet, yeah. but you, what you know now, right? Like today is this amazing kid. So I think mm -hmm. that's wonderful, wonderful um, advice to give. So thank you so much for taking the time yeah. to talk to me about Olivia. No, yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really honored to share our story and our journey through just the last three months of that syndrome and uh, what our life has kind of looked like since then. Again, it was such a pleasure to talk to Naomi for the podcast. Getting a Rett syndrome diagnosis is a huge event in all our families' lives, so I thank Naomi for being so open so soon in their Rett journey. Wherever you are in your Rett syndrome adventure, or if you're listening to this podcast to learn more about Rett syndrome, thank you for listening in. Please consider telling your friends about the podcast, share our Instagram and Facebook posts for each episode so we can help spread awareness of Rett syndrome, not only for Rett syndrome awareness month every October, but throughout the year. There are more great chats with other Rhett Syndrome families, so make sure you check out those episodes also, and I'll see you then.